Welcome to the podcast series, Nursing Research Basics. This podcast series is being brought to you by nursingeducationexpert.com. This podcast will be an introduction to the concepts of reliability and validity, or data quality. We'll talk a little bit about the nature of data and the different forms, and talk about data measurement, including the concepts of random or chance error, and systematic or constant error. So we'll just do a little bit of an intro, and then the second half of the podcast, we'll delve into the concepts of reliability and validity to a greater detail. Let's get started. When we're talking about evidence-based practice, we need to make sure that the decisions that we make based on the articles that we are critiquing are based on good data quality. And when we talk about the foundation of good research, we're really talking about can we trust the results of the study? Now, we've talked about in the past that you can, that one of the first ways that you look at whether or not a study is trustworthy is to look at the methodology. Always review the methodology section first. I'm not going to be able to say that enough. If the methodology is strong, or at least there aren't a lot of questions that you have about what the researchers did and why they did it, then you can have more confidence in the data that that methodology has produced. If the methodology is not rigorous, you might as well just stop reading the study at that point in time because it doesn't matter then what the results were from this particular study. If you can't trust the methodology, which will include the types of instruments that were used or data tools that were used to collect the data, if you can't trust those, then you can't trust the data that comes from them. Two of the most important concepts in the whole evidence-based practice decision-making process are the concepts of reliability and validity. When we talk about reliability, we're talking about the consistency or the repeatability of the test results. Okay, so consistency and reliability are words that are commonly used together. When we're talking about the validity of the results, we want to know to what degree can we believe these results, to what degree are these results tr truthful, and these truthful results, are we measuring what we say we're measuring, and are, how consistently are we measuring what we say we're measuring? Reliability and validity in evidence-based nursing practice are very important concepts. In order for data to be valid, it needs to be reliable and it needs to be relevant. We'll talk in a little bit about the different tests that we do. So before we talk about the terms of reliability and validity, let's talk about the nature of data. And when we're talking about data, we're really talking about raw materials, raw materials that the researcher uses to put together in a comprehensive fashion and in an analytic fashion to find the answer to whatever the research question is the researcher is interested in. So we use data to generate the research reports. There are two types of data. There's quantitative data, and we think of that as numerical data, so frequencies, how often something occurred, what the event rates were, etc. So numbers. If you think numerical data, 
that's quantitative data, okay, statistics, etc. Qualitative data, on the other hand, is verbal or descriptive data. Gather qualitative data when we're trying to answer a question that is exploratory in nature or qualitative in nature, talking about people's attitudes or feelings or behaviors. With numerical data, we use correlations to assess the reliability and the validity of quantitative data. However, when we're using qualitative data, we do not use correlations or a numerical device. We assess the trustworthiness of the data that emerges from the study, looking at concepts of trustworthiness and what we call confirmability and auditability. We'll talk about what these mean in relation to the more quantitative terms, reliability and validity here a little bit later in the podcast. Now, it's the investigator or the researcher's job to make sure that data is gathered accurately and that the data that is gathered is that we use an appropriate then analytic method to assess the reliability and the validity or the trustworthiness of those data. It's the research consumer's job to assess how well the investigator did his or her job. Let's talk about a couple of different forms of data and then we'll talk in some general terms and then we'll get into the specifics of data measurement and reliability and validity. So when we're talking about forms of data, we're talking about things like continuous data versus discrete data. Let's start with discrete data first because that's probably easier to understand. Discrete data are yes or no type of data point. Discrete data has only, it's, it's exclusive. It cannot go in any other category but just one category. So for example, gender, discrete data would be male, female, right? Just There are just two different categories there. Versus continuous data would be data that could that could that has a greater range of categories. So for example, you could weigh 127 pounds or you could weigh 127.2 pounds or 0.25 pounds or 0.5 pounds. So those data points encompass a greater range of possibilities. The choice of using continuous or discrete data really depends on the type of research design the investigator has come up with, the need for precision of data. So if you need very precise data, then you need to use continuous data so that you can get the greatest accuracy of that, of the data points as possible. And then the types of instruments that are available for you to measure the phenomenon that you're interested in. All those points will come together in the researcher's mind when they're designing their research plan. Now when we talk about research instruments, I want you to realize that we use the term instruments to mean a lot of different things. To, to mean actual equipment, for example, if we are measuring vital signs, we would maybe need a blood pressure cuff and a heart rate monitor. Those are research instruments. If we're measuring temperature, we'd need a thermometer. Those are research instruments, and we would want to see 
that they were calibrated and we would want the researcher to tell us about the accuracy of those instruments. Usually we want them to tell us about the type of instrument, the actual vendor that the researcher used. This is all helpful if you want to replicate a study. Or if you want to use the same instrument in your unit. So the research report is positive and you want to use that same instrument, then you'll have the details to know what to buy. Questionnaires are also considered research instruments or research tools. So don't get confused if you see the term instruments or hear it. When we're talking about research instruments, all we mean are how are we gathering the data, okay? And again, it could be through equipment, it could be through a pen and paper, it could be through a questionnaire, it could be through an interview process. Those are all considered research tools or research instruments. And these are what we use to gather research data. Now, the research instruments need to obviously provide dependable measures of the variables that we are interested in studying. And this is where data, data quality come in. And the terms reliability and validity and trustworthiness when we're talking about qualitative data. And then we'll also talk about usability of these tools. So when we're talking about reliability, and we'll come back to this later, but we're looking at how consistent are the results that this particular research instrument or research tool provides. Validity is, does the instrument measure what it's supposed to measure? So how true are the results? And usability is how practical is the tool to use. As research consumers, you're interested in, were the tools used to collect the data, again, whatever tools that those were, were they reliable and were they valid and or were they trustworthy when we're talking about qualitative data. So before we get into some of those particulars, let's talk about data measurement and those assumptions and then we'll get into particulars. So when we're talking about data measurement, we make an assumption that the scores that we get from our tools are going to be consistent, true measures and an accurate reflection of individual differences. So that's the assumption that we work under when we're doing a research study. Now, that assumption is only true to the extent of the amount of error in the measurement that we get. So you've heard the terms error, error variance before, probably from your statistics classes, and you might have had to calculate the standard error of measurement, etc. But all error error variance really is, is a, the variation in the scores that reflect error rather than the true measurement of an individual. So we call the observed score, so the actual results of a test or results of, of a, a questionnaire, the observed score is equal to the true score plus the amount of error measurement and that's also known as the error of measurement. Error is affected by what we by two different types of error. One is random error or chance error and the second is systematic error. So let's talk a little bit about those. Random or chance error realize is error that's very difficult to control and it could just be due to transient factors 
in the subject and the person who's taking the test, for example, or in the environment, uh, in how the procedure was explained, etc. So when we're talking about transient subject factors, we're talking about characteristics of the individuals who are then responding to that data collection instrument. So again, it might be a questionnaire. Maybe it's a test. We've all taken tests in school. So when you take an act the, the test, a social studies test, a nursing test, whatever it is that you're taking, if you don't feel well that day, I think you all can agree that your concentration may not be as good, you're, you're not paying attention maybe enough to the answers, you're not reading questions correctly, and so you might get a lower score than you would have if you felt well that day. Illness, fatigue, temporary states of mind, just temporary uh, anxieties, whatever, you're worried about your kid in school, there's a whole bunch of different factors, but those are considered chance or random error. If you were at your best, you probably would get a higher score than you would when you're not at your best. So hopefully that makes some sense. Instrumentation or procedure variations, that those can have an effect on how well you do on a test. If in one class a test is explained one way or some additional directions are given that are not given in the second class day, with students taking a test, then there, then that's a procedure variation that could affect scores in one class versus scores in the other. And then transient external factors. It could be too hot or too cold in the room. Transient individual factors, transient external factors, and then instrumentation and procedure variations can all attribute to random or chance error. Now, systematic error is also known as constant error, and this would be where there are consistent changes in the instrument or the subject or the environment that could affect the true score of an individual. So, for example, problems in administration. If improper directions were given to take this test or to answer this questionnaire, each time this instrument is given, then clearly that's going to be a systematic error. That's going to be an error in for everyone taking that particular test or taking that questionnaire. Problems with the instrument itself. So an example of a problem with an instrument can include, or, or improper calibration, can be a scale that consistently underweighs somebody by two pounds. So in that case, the scale is very reliable. Every time you get on the scale, it weighs you less, two pounds less than you really are, but realize that is not a valid measurement of somebody's weight if it's not measuring correctly. So in this case, it's a reliable tool, but it's not a valid tool. Systematic case would be poorly written items. So obviously then a poorly written item is going to affect everybody who takes that particular, who sees that question and takes that particular test. Things that we call response set biases. Response set biases are 
the tendency for people to answer questions in a certain way. For some people, they don't like to make decisions, so they're going to answer in the neutral. So if you have a test that you are, for example, trying to score on a Likert type scale where you've got a one to five response set and your numbers are one, two, three, four, five, where one might be very low, uh, that, that this attribute is very low, five might be this attribute is very high, and three might be kind of a neutral or in the middle answer. Well, for some people, they tend to choose the neutral answers. That is a response set bias. It may not necessarily correctly or accurately reflect what the person feels. The same way with a very low response set or a very high response set bias. So those are response set biases. Socioeconomic status, level of education, those are all biases that could affect the way somebody answers a question. And that would be a constant error because your socioeconomic status is not going to change from day to day. Improper calibration of instruments. So again, if the researcher is using an actual equipment, a thermometer, a blood pressure cuff, a heart rate monitor, an SVO2 monitor, whatever type of instrumentation they're using, if they do not calibrate or make sure that these instruments are calibrated correctly before they take their data, then you can, you, you can get false data if you do not have a calibrated instrument. So that would be a systematic or a constant error. And again, environmental conditions could also affect, can also be constant and affect the rates. Reliability and validity are really the most important concepts in the evidence-based decision-making process. In order for us to trust the results of any research study, we have to have trust in how the study was conducted and how reliable and valid and or trustworthy the data were that were collected by the researcher. Reliability, again, is the consistency or the repeatability of test results. The typical descriptors of a reliable test are that the test produces consistent results, that it's repeatable. In other words, when you repeat the test with the same person, you get similar results, okay? They're not too, they're either exactly the same or not too far off that the test is objective and that it's dependable. So those are common descriptors for reliable tests. Validity is does the test or instrument again, so realize I might use test or instrument, but we're, I'm talking about the same thing. How truthful are the results? Does the test correctly measure what it says it's measuring? Validity is dependent on the reliability of the test. In order for a test to be valid, it has to be reliable and it has to be relevant. We'll talk a little bit in detail about this in a second. Reliability is how stable the test is, how accurate, how repeatable, right? Relevance is the degree of the relationship between the test and what the goal of the researcher is. So does the test, again, is it relevant to the concept or to the variable that you're interested in measuring? Does the test reflect what it was reported to be testing? 
the instrument that is most reliable and most relevant will be the most valid instrument. But do realize that a test can be reliable but not be valid. And a test could also be relevant but not be reliable. However, a valid test always has some aspects of reliability and relevance. But reliability and, re and relevance can exist independent of validity. So a test can be reliable without being valid. It can be relevant without being reliable. But a re valid test always has reliability and relevance. So at this point, let's end this part of the podcast. And the next podcast, I'll talk in more detail about the different tests that we use for reliability and validity testing.